I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Last week on Publishing Secrets, I took you behind the scenes on an interview between myself and Raquel Henderson, literary manager and exclusive partner of 265 Point. In that podcast episode, we talked about the five secrets to landing a major book deal. So if it is your dream to have your book published by the likes of HarperCollins, you definitely want to check out that episode and be sure that you have a pen and paper because Raquel breaks those five steps down for you and they are critically important. Now this week on Publishing Secrets, we're again doing something very special. Instead of just hearing from one author, you're actually going to hear from three. So in this advice from the author's session, I'm blessed to have with me Dr. Barbara Peacock, Denise Taylor, and Tamara Bush. You're going to get insights on the best way to get started, the common traps to avoid, how to deal with things like writer's block, and what they wish they knew before getting started. Enjoy. It is time, family, for advice from the author. So what we're going to do in this segment is to continue the conversation with our featured authors today so that they can answer some of the questions that I hear often when I work with clients that are just starting out. Now you're going to hear from people that have done it, people that have done it and have done it recently. So all of their learnings are fresh. You're going to hear a fresh word from each of them about how you can get started and move in the direction of your dream. So here's what I want to start, because this is a question that I hear come up a lot, and I will be transparent, which I always am for those that don't know me. I battled this. I am a researcher. I love to research it. So my book, because it's around weight loss, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just speaking from my own personal perspective, although that is important. I wanted to make sure that I was being inclusive of people of many different journeys. And so I wanted to include all these references and this article and all that, right? So sometimes what I see happen with an aspiring author is they're battling how much time do I spend researching my idea before I start writing? So I want to throw that question out for the group. How long did you spend researching before you actually started writing the book? Or was research a part of the process at all? Let's just talk about the concept of research. So Denise, I'm going to start with you. Okay, so for me... Researching wasn't as rich because of the context of the type of book that I've written. I will tell you, though, what has resonated for me listening is what I've tried to do around the book is to create experiences more than just my own. So while the book Mm -hmm. is developmental and the book is trying to inspire growth within the context of helping a wife, 
What I do with that following that you guys were talking about is in the community that I've created is bring other experiences to bear. So just like you were saying in the type of book that you wrote, you wanted to make sure your research was important up front to include it in. In the type of experience that I've built out, I bring that along for the living journey of it all. And so there's an element that I include as a part of the community where I bring in other wives who have experiences different than my own. For example, I haven't been a military wife. And so I can't write from that perspective. I haven't been a wife who had to be a caregiver alongside someone with long-term illness. So I bring those perspectives out through the community and through sharing and doing interviews with them. So the context and the format of my book is a little bit different because a lot of the personal growth and development that was shared was experientially of my own to make relation or relevant to the wives that are participating. But when you talk about that cohesive package and how important that is, it lives on through the community that we've created to make sure it's important. So I think it's very important depending on your approach but the approach of my book didn't have as much detailed research up front. Got it, got it. Well, thank you for sharing that though, and also sharing the way that you have incorporated it though into your community. So you're bringing along other people alongside you that can share different experiences, much like you guys are doing for the community that is out here today so that they can hear different perspectives other than your own. So that's extremely valuable. Tamara, let me check in with you. What are your thoughts around research? So we actually uh, came together as a group to research the type of impact that we wanted our target audience to have. Uh, because initially, the target audience are the people that we go to church with every week. The book was constructed to sort of help people have spiritual breakthroughs and be able to follow along the journey of someone that is either starting, growing, or, you know, deeply rooted in their faith and help them to sort of understand that they can also take whatever talents, gifts, and abilities that they have and take it and convert it into entrepreneurship, right? So the research you know, when you're an aspiring author, you don't necessarily know what to research. You don't know where to start. You don't know who to speak to. You don't know. You just don't know. And you don't know what you don't know until you're being shown something that proves that you didn't know. So the group that I'm a part of, we said, okay, what exactly do we want people to take away from this book? And that's when we came up with the idea of the workbook. So what it does is it's specifically targeting Bible book study and people who have book clubs. And it's also a self-empowerment tool for any individual. So you can sort of start the journey, you know, solo, or you can start it with the group. So we were just trying to make sure that we hit certain points, especially in the workbook, because we needed to make sure that we were able to hit those pain points, that we were able to help people to connect with the content. You know, because that's important. It's like if you're if you're trying to target an audience, how do you want them to connect? How do you want them to have those breakthroughs that you had um, while you were going through the journey of writing? And, you know, for me personally, my life experience was the research because I'm basically, you know, telling my story of what led me to entrepreneurship. So 
a lot of people may not know that they can lean on their own personal experience and the research really starts from the person. And then you just sort of branch out and look at other people and resources that are around you that's gonna help build up that, that skill set and that know-how to get you going. Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. I love also what you shared, Tamara. You're, you highlighted something that's very important is understanding your audience. And it sounds like you guys came together and made a decision. Who is it that we want to impact? And you let that be the compass from which you built your book. And that is also a part of research, right? Because remember, family, that your book can't impact people unless they buy it. And people are only going to buy something that connects with them. You talked about the importance of connection too, Tamara. Something that connects with them, that resonates with them. What you want is you want them when they, they look at the cover of your book, if they're in person or if they're going to Amazon or wherever you direct them, you, you want them to read that cover and be like, ooh, that's me. I need that. So that is also a part of research and it's very, very important. Dr. Peacock, now you have some people that you have profiled in your book. So I would imagine that research was critical for you. So talk to us about your research process. What kind of time commitment was that for you and what did it look like? Yes, uh, research was very important for my book. A tremendous amount of research went into the book as I looked at the lives of spiritual leaders that are spiritual giants that practice the disciplines of soul care and spiritual direction and spiritual formation. And so I had to be on point when I was talking about their journey, when I made their quotes, they had to be accurate. But also uh, a big part of the research went on spiritually in my mind and in my heart because I was seeking to develop and identify a discipline for people of color as it relates to formation and spiritual direction. It hadn't been identified earlier because I was like, we are spiritual people. It was almost like proving that we're spiritual people based upon what mainstream Euro America considers spiritual people. So if you say, if this stream of society say, this is what spirituality is, but we don't fit in there. Well, if we're all people of God and God is no respect of person, and there is neither Jew nor Gentile, black nor white, uh, rich nor poor, male nor female in Christ. So then how does our spirituality look the same as it relates to yours? And also how does it look different? And at the end of the day, there's not as much difference as we identify. But for me, as many of the ladies have shared before, this compilation is a legacy. And so not only did I know this book was going to be uh, used, originally it was to prove the point about these disciplines as it relates to people of color. That's why I started with the slave ship and went through people like Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Frederick Douglass, and so many others, Howard Thurman. But I also related it to my personal life and everyday life in the faith community. So yes, for me, research was imperative, but that does not mean every book has to have that much depth. But I knew that my book would also, not only would it be utilized in the faith community, I knew it would be utilized in academia. And in academia and in seminaries, you have to prove what you're saying. Mm, that's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. King. Because family, it comes back to that same point is who are you writing for and what are their expectations? And let that be the driver of what your research looks like. Some people are going to be interested in your personal experience because that's 
how you want to write your book. So like what uh, Tamara and what Denise has shared, this is about my personal journey. The same for me. It's about my personal journey. So it's about you being able to figure out who's going to connect with that story. That's going to be really important. But you may not spend hours and hours and hours wanting to research content, per se, for your book. But that audience, understanding who they are, is going to be critically, critically important. I want to throw out one more question, because one of the things that I, I hear often is the challenge of time. And all of you are very accomplished and very busy ladies, so you you don't have just like hours and hours and hours. It's not like you don't have anything else going on in your life. So talk to us a little bit about how did you make time to write and what did that process look for you? And I'm going to stick with you, Dr. Peacock, that you just finished sharing with us. I'll, I'll start with you. Yes, I was struggling with that concern early on. And I spoke to my spiritual director and she said, Barbara, with your schedule, you probably need to get up like four o'clock in the morning and start writing. So that sounded pretty cool, but guess what? It did not work. <laughs> I would wake up at four o'clock, I'd be like, oh my God, I can't do this. So uh, you definitely have to commit to write, but you have to do it with inspiration. You have to do it with mm. desire. It's hungering and thirsting to write, uh, but do it consistently. Do it every day. Do it when you're scribbling. Do it when you're writing a word. I remember somebody said earlier, they have all these thoughts that they feel are scattered, like kind of like all over the place. Like, how do we put the pieces of the puzzle together? Well, you can create folders on your uh, desktop or on your laptop and begin to put that information in each folder. And eventually the story that is going on continuously in your spirit will begin to evolve and emerge. But there's no other way to do it than just do it. I mean, Nike says it best just write, just do it, just get started. And uh, whether it's morning, noon or afternoon, and then you would develop your rhythm. Some people think like they have to go outside or they have to sit at a desk. Well, my best writing is in the bed, you know, and it could come, mm -hmm. it could come three o'clock in the morning when you just kind of turn over and you have a thought, or you may just sit down at your desk in your formal space and just write for hours, but don't deny yourself of seeking and having that desire to write frequently. I think daily is a good idea, but if it doesn't come daily, just do it frequently and be committed to it. I love that. That's so, and, and what you've described, I like to refer to as downloads. And that happens to me all the time. It's like, you, you described it too, Dr. Like you get a thought, you get an inspiration. It might be at three o'clock in the morning. It might be three o'clock in the afternoon. So you may not always be able to, to funnel it into a specific time, but you want to capture that thought. It could be as simple as grabbing something on your phone I can't tell you how many notes I have. The note, I'm an uh, iPhone user. I can't tell you how many notes I have with thoughts that have just come to me. Some of them, I believe, truly divinely inspired and just capture them, right? So that's a nugget that you can take with you for th those of you that are, are struggling with finding this time. It's just when a thought comes to you, capture it. Because I'm going to tell you, downloads are precious. <laughs> downloads, when you get one, you do not want to forget it. You want to capture all of it. Uh, many times I will also, I, I don't know if any of the other ladies, I will use the voice part of it and I'll just speak into it. It may not be perfect, but at least yeah. I've captured it, right? So yeah, capture it any way you can. Tamara, what are your thoughts about managing? And you are a wife, you got, I think I heard four kids, right? So you got, and you're working, you're building, you got all this stuff going on. How did you manage it from a time perspective? That is so funny that you said about the phone, but just to rewind a bit, I'm a Capricorn, so Capricorns have the tendency to overplan, and I'm a structural person, so 
I had to learn the strategy of time blocking my day because there's only so many hours in the day. And I knew that certain times of the day I needed to hit certain things. Um, One of the ways that I fell short with that and I had to sort of pull myself back was if I'm working on a project or something, whatever it is, and it's not finished during the designated time that I allotted to work on that project, I kept going and then it would make me fall behind. So I had to stick to whatever plan I laid out for my day and say, okay, I'm going to write, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays from five to six 30. And then it's time to cook dinner. You know, I had to also give myself a time to stop because I would just keep going and going and going. Um, One of the ways that I made sure that I was able to complete my thought when it came time to write was by using the phone, the voice recorder, even if your phone doesn't have a voice recorder built in, download the app. So at least you can capture the essence of the emotion and the thought, you know, while you're speaking into your phone, because when you go to play it back, you can hear the emphasis on whatever that thought was or whatever that word was. And that'll help you. It'll sort of help you move along your way when you're trying to actually physically write. So for me, it, it was it's definitely uh, time blocking. I love that. And, and what we're going to hear, and Denise, I'm going to come to you in a bit. I think what you're going to hear, family, is you're going to hear different answers to the question. And that should inspire you because that means that there are different ways to get it done, right? There may not be one method that works for everyone, but what I hope is that you will take something away from what you hear our author share and that you will try them. Time blocking is something that I advocate strongly, but there may be different paths and you may use a combination of these things. So Denise, what are your thoughts? How did you manage it? You've got a lot going on too. How did you manage the time commitment? What did it look like for you? Well, for me, it seems like I have my inspirations early in the morning. It's so funny because when I first started on this journey, my husband was working long hours. So I was home alone and we're empty nesters. So we have two girls, but they're in college, they're young adults. And so I would wake up at the three, four o'clock in the morning and I would be sitting there writing. So when he came home and he would see me up in the bed, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, no, I'm in the zone. So for me, it's whenever that inspiration comes, I like get in the zone of it. And it could be anything that inspires me. It could be something I've read, something I've seen, you know, something I'm reminded of that brings that inspiration along and I have to get it out. Now, I will say that in recent days, as my schedule like kicked back in and I got back into the groove of a lot of different things, I am leveraging notes on my phone to capture some thoughts that I go back to. And I'm leveraging the voice recorder now to do some things as well, to try to leverage those tools to take advantage of how do I not lose the thought? Because I've had that happen and it's so discouraging. Like you think you're going to remember, but you don't. And so it's so important to capture it some kind of way. When that inspiration to your point, Coach Tam, when that download comes, it's precious. So like, just stop and catch it and, you know, do it in a way that you can go back to it. But for me, it was early morning writing and it's still that now, like I'll wake up and I just hit that zone and I can just pound it out and and really feel accomplished when I get done with it. But, you know, if I had the time block, it probably would be four in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It probably would be very early. I'm an early riser. That's the best part of my day. 
Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing, Denise. I mean, it does vary family. So one of the things, the key things that I teach is you've got to find what is going to work for you. You've heard a number of different perspectives at this. You probably have a clue, some feeling within yourself, well, I need that structure. So maybe I need to look up this time blocking concept so that it's going to keep me on a schedule. And if you have a lot of things going on, time blocking can be very uh, helpful because here's Dr. Peacock is going to appreciate this. And now Dr. Kim has me scheduling this on my calendar is one of the things that time blocking does is it forces you to account for everything, the time that you spend with your family, the time for Sabbath, and then it challenges you to make some tough decisions. What are your true priorities? Because when you look at a day, you realize, first of all, we all have the same 24-7, but every day looks different. Our responsibilities are different. There's a lot of different things going on. And so we don't have as much time as we think we have. So being able to maximize that is really important. You've heard Dr. Peacock say 4 a.m. did not work for her, whereas it would be what worked for Denise. So another quick tip is just think about when your energy is there. That's something that's really, really important because writing is going to be something that is something you're going to be doing. We've been talking about this. You're going to be writing and writing and writing for life. Pay attention to when you have the best energy to write. For some of you, that's going to be early in the morning. For some of you, it's going to be in the evening and maybe midday. Pay attention to that. Because your body often tells you and your productivity is often different at different times in the day. So let's pay attention to that. Okay, so there's a question about self-publishing versus traditional publishing. So I'm going to actually uh, go around and have you talk about how you publish. Was it self-publishing? Was it traditional publishing? And why you chose that route, okay? And I'm going to actually start with you, Denise. Talk to us about the route you chose and why you chose it. So I went the self-publishing route and mainly because I'll tell you, this entire path for me has been divinely inspired and I felt like my steps were just kind of ordered through this whole process. And so it did not feel like complicated work to me, um, mainly because probably professionally what I do from managing projects and managing program launches and those type of things, it, it was a reasonable fit. So I wasn't necessarily out of my element. And I had really good resources around me to tap into for book cover design. Like my really good friend, her son is a digital artist. And so I worked with him directly and I used a lot of things that I liked and saw to kind of inspire what I wanted to see as the end result. And so for me, I kind of walked through that process. Now I'm, I'm curious since I uh, hear there's 51 steps, I think I might've skipped a few. So I'm curious about learning <laughs> those 51 steps because I may have some redo to do on something that I might've skipped over or glossed over, but we were able to get to the finish line and self-publishing was a choice. In fact, I, honestly never even considered anything else. So it wasn't, you know, like I sat at the table and said, oh, what do I want to do? It was like, it was just kind of order, do this, do this, do this, and, and was able to bring it to life that way. Mm. I love that because some of you out there have connections. You have people. So one of the things that I hope you take away from what Denise has shared is examine your network. Do you already have people in your network that can help you bring your dream to life? Maybe you have 
some people in your network that you already know do quality work and that can help you push this across the finish line. Maybe you have that skill set from what you do nine to five to be able to manage a project because really getting a book written and published is like a big project that you're managing. So those are some things that are going to help you in that process. Let me, uh, let me go to Tamara and yours is unique. So you talked about this concept of an anthology. I want you to remind the audience of what that means, because I know that there's some people that are listening, and that's something that they want to do, but they may not connect the word. And then I want you to share with the audience why you chose that route and, and what did it look like for you, since it is a little unique. Thank you. So an anthology is a collection of works from a group of individuals that come together to write on a specific subject matter or topic. So the way that the anthology can be designed is the book definitely still has a flow, although there may be multiple co-authors on the project, but it's sort of designed in a way to flow with the subject matter, right? So I didn't necessarily choose the anthology. It chose me. I was pulled into the project and I felt as though God was speaking to me through the visionary author, which is why I decided to take advantage of it. It was definitely unconventional to me based on what I had gotten used to seeing with published authors and things that I've seen on TV and TV shows. So I also would, you know, watch my husband go through the process of trying to become published through a company that definitely had a different structure and they demanded like all this money upfront, like a huge deposit to just even get started. So I know for me initially that was a deterrent because I didn't necessarily know that it was so very inexpensive to become self-published, you know, to do your own publishing. But, you know, the anthology is definitely a way to become published. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's a very strategic, well thought out process. And you're, if you connect yourself with a good team or someone out there that is has done a number of anthologies such as I have, it's really a seamless process. And, you know, you're showing up to meetings, you are, you know, making your deposit, you may pay monthly, you may pay everything up front. And they are literally, they will, if they're good, they should literally coach you and guide you from start to finish and educate you on the self-publishing process. So not only should you know how to become a, a part of the anthology group after that whole process is said and done you should know how to go out and create your own anthology and pull other people in on any subject matter that you desire to you know that you want the world to know about so it's just one of those things and, and i love what coach tam said when she said use the people around you use your resources because there are people out there that are doing this and they're helping people to get uh, to be heard. They're helping people to be heard, regardless if it's through a solo self-publishing project or through an anthology. Understand that even though you're in the anthology, it's still your voice. You're still going to be heard through the midst of all the other co-authors. So that particular project, my first project that I was a part of, it's not published under my individual ISBN, but know that I'm working on another anthology where I have the option to have the book published under my original ISBN, even though it's still an anthology, it's still going to show up under my name, my ISBN, you know, all of that good stuff on Amazon. So it's different, definitely different levels to this, and there's different ways that you can approach an anthology. I love the concept because it helps people to get their content out faster without all of the stress 
of having to do it yourself and having to feel as though you're not worthy of what it is that you want to say. Oh, I love that. I love that. So those of you that have dreams, I know some of my clients that probably resonated with you because you have a dream to pull together several people to contribute to a book that is going to impact people because they hear various perspectives, but around a central theme. So that is something that Tamara has done. It is possible to do it. And you heard about her journey and her process where she was guided along the way of doing that. It's not a specialty of mine, but there are people out there that will do it. Now, Dr. Peacock, you went the traditional publishing route. So there's from two angles that I'd like for you to answer this question is, since you have done both, so you have your self-published book called to teach, and then you have your published book, Soul Care for African American Practice, what perspective can you give that you have done both? So I'd love for you to share. Yes. Uh, thank you, Tam. Both require the same amount of work that you have to birth your own baby. Nobody's going to birth that baby for you. And both require a tremendous amount of discernment and attention. Well, actually with Call to Teach, I worked with a publishing company, but then they passed it off to me. They published it, but then they passed it off to me to do the marketing. And then I did Psalm 119, which is totally self-published through Create Space. And I think Amazon has taken them over now. You can correct yep. me on that. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Uh -huh. That's right. And then with this book, Soul Care and African-American Practice, I think you, you just have to have a gut feeling as to who uh, the best way to publish. And it's really not a gut feeling. It's really it's the direction of the Holy Spirit telling you which way to go. I mean, I'm, I can't, I can't skirt around it. You know, I try to sound nice and in the middle of the road, not say to what be, you want. No, not say, to be say, too preachy. You, and, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just God led. I didn't even think mm -hmm. twice about publishing this book. I had difficulty finding a publisher in my mind because I was speaking with people because, because I was a self-published author. I knew that, I knew that at this time I needed a publisher, but when I would speak with people, they would say like, well, have you sold 10,000 books? And I was like, no, I haven't sold 10,000 books. Well, well, in order for you to get a, a, a traditional publisher, you need to have do this. And you need, I mean, it was like all of this stuff. I had to block all of that stuff out because I kept hearing God mm -hmm. say, this book will be published by a traditional publisher. And so what I did was I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a manager. Like I said, God led. He said, go and find out who so-and-so's editor is. And I wouldn't find out who that editor was. I contacted that editor. And that editor said, we've been looking for you. And it was just mm. that simple. I mean, when God is in it, truly miracles happen. And I am so thankful for the opportunity. I'm so thankful for the connection. Because I know I would, I'm like, Denise, I would have missed the step. But God is still on it because her book is successful. So you don't have to have all the steps. You don't have to check all the boxes off for it to be a success. And mm -hmm. I know that I wouldn't be in some of the places that I am in if I would have published it. But I also know I have to wait longer. Yes, the royalties are nice and they come. But how long do you have to wait for that income to kick in? Whereas when you self-publish, your money is like there right away. So there are pros and cons of both. But at the end of the day, if the call is to publish, the call is to publish and to go through the process. I love that. I love that. It's answering the call and being, and you were again, because I've had the pleasure of, of talking to you about this prior to today, your obedience was rewarded. 
right? So, so family, I also want you to take away as you're listening to yes. us. Yes. Just like I speak about from a weight loss and fitness standpoint, don't leave God out of this journey. It is not spiritual is over here. And then my professional career is over here. They should be melded together. So invite God into this journey of becoming an author. He's the one that planted the desire in you or has sent other people to confirm that desire. So since he's put it there, he knows how to make it happen. Make sure that you're consulting him as you go through this process on what that should look like for you and that you're being obedient to whatever he says to do. That is critically important. So no, Dr. Chicago, you do your, do your thing. It's okay. You have one yeah. more thing you wanted to add? Yes, because the book is published by a publishing company, but I'm getting ready to do a workbook, which I will self-publish. So I'm going to have both mm -hmm. working together. I love that. With one purpose. I love that. Mm -hmm. With one purpose. And that workbook, and I think, Tamara, you also talked about the workbook. The workbook is extremely powerful as well, because and this is important for those of you, too, that want to be coaches and consultants, right? Your book is very powerful. It helps introduce people to the concept, but they need help applying it, right? Like, transformation typically doesn't happen just from reading a book. There has to be more. You have to do the work. That you're going to hear that process over and over and over again. You want to level up spiritually? What Dr. Peacock is saying is, okay, you, you're reading the book, but now you need to also do some work along with that. Mm -hmm. So some ways that you can create that transformation for your readers and provide additional streams for you is adding additional products like a workbook. It could also be workshops and coaching and, and all of these different things. But know that the book is just a product in the business. You're going to want to bring other products and services alongside that because really what I want you to take away is your goal is not just to publish a book. Your goal is to create transformation in the life of the reader. You are the expert. They are going to need your help with making that happen. So let's talk a little bit about the process of actually writing your book because this is one that can, it's very easy to get hung up on. Did you use an outline or not? And if you didn't, what did you do? Let me start with Denise. Let me start with you. So the only outline that I used was how I formatted each of the days. Because one of the things you just talked about, which is incorporated in, in my book, is it's more than writing. It's the workbook that comes along all packaged together. And I had, I, I found a book that I really enjoyed how it was formatted in terms of, you know, with the reading and the affirmation and the, you know, the elements of a workbook, meaning the reflection and the goal setting. And so I knew that I wanted to follow that format. Now, in terms of topics, it was not outlined that way because each of those topics or each of those days were inspired from the writing that had happened, right? And so I came along and coupled with it the format based on the writing. But I do want to dovetail on something that you just talked about, which is creating that holistic service, right? Which the coaching element is very, very important. And that's why, you know, Dr. Peacock has a workbook. That's why Tamara has a workbook because that application 
is very key in how you can drive to that transformation. And that's where that lasting impact comes. And so figuring out more than just writing a book, it has to be formatted along the vision of transformation, like you're saying, because that's going to make the real difference in your reader. And so you got to think about that entire approach when you talk about outline, you know, how are they going to stay connected? How are you going to foster that growth and development? And coaching is a real big aspect that I'm starting to do now. So I, I think that that is extremely important is to think about the comprehensive vision for your work more than just, I published this book, right? Because the recommendations and the referrals that are going to come are going to come about from the transformation that occurs in the people who are experiencing what you've put together. Yeah. I love that. That is huge. It takes, it takes a collective effort to create that transformation. Tamara, what are your, your thoughts? I'd love for you to join in on this discussion. So, right. I'm just piggybacking off of what Denise is saying. So the structure for my project, because it's an anthology, really focused on the workbook. We definitely focused more energy into the structure of the workbook because just like Denise said, what is that transformation that you're looking for your reader to have, right? And in order for us to be able to release the book and Bible study at Elevation Church, there definitely had to be a solid outline there in order for it to even be considered, right? Because everyone that attends that church, they know anytime that they roll out anything, it has to have a strong, you know, sort of a strong finish. So when I began to write my chapter, there were some parts of my life that I felt had more emphasis than others that I wanted to put on display, but I had to just sort of zone in on that heavy pain point for me that really drove me to entrepreneurship because there are, there are many pain points. You know, there are so many things that I've been through, but it's like what really truly started the journey for me and what caused a mindset shift in me that got me to begin to think a different way, right? So that's what I had to just sort of focus on. I had to go a little deep with it. You know, when I, when I wrote my chapter, it was very emotional and it was, I was having flashbacks, you know, it just, it just took me all the way back. And I'm like, oh my goodness, do I really want to go this deep? But I had to go that deep because you want your book to be able to have an impact and you want people to have those breakthroughs that they need in order to, you know, move their life on to the next level. So for us, you know, for me and the group that I worked with, it was really focusing on the workbook. You know, we, we put it together. We made sure that we ask those questions, you know, after you read the chapter, you go through the workbook and it's going to ask you a series of questions based on what you read and how you connected to the author. What part of the author's story did you connect with? Had this ever happened to you? What is the scripture that's related to the text in that chapter? You know, what are some of the personal reflections that you can have as a result of that chapter? What are your next steps? So that's how we outline the workbook according to each chapter so that we can really make sure that people were having the transformations that we envisioned them to have with reading the book. Wow. I love that. I love that because you guys took into account, hey, we want this to impact lives at elevation. And so in order to accomplish that goal, 
here's what we need to do. And, and you even talked about, I love this too, because I can identify greatly with this is you may, and this is for those of you that are listening, you may think, oh, well, I just want to write about this in the book. Okay. But remember your goal is to create transformation, right? And just information, facts don't cause transformation. Part of this is you are guiding them through that process. So I can promise you there are going to be some things that you're going to have to share as you go through this process to help other people achieve transformation. You still choose what you share, but the option to not share is not there, right? So you have to share because you are what people are buying into. You are the, the messenger. So people need you. They need your story to come alongside the tips and the information that, that you are providing. It's going to take two. Dr. Peacock, talk to us about your process of writing. Did you use an outline? And I wonder how the traditional publishing process played a role in all of this. Tell us about your writing process. What does that look like for you? Yes. When I think about the writing process and the outline, I, I have to go back to the day, you know, like when do we write? We all are given 168 hours a week. And what are we doing with that 168 hours? We need to keep our Sabbath. We need to rest. We need to have our devotional time. And so it's like a sunrise and a sunset. And I don't want anybody to think by any means that I did not have specific blocks of time to write because that's necessary. You need to have that order in place. Order is important, I think, for an author. So you need the order of your day, the order of your personal life. You got to have boundaries. You got to have focus. And the same thing is true when you're writing a book. So order and processing becomes a lifestyle. And so then it's the sunrise to the sunset. So you start your book with your preface and your introduction and you conclude with your conclusion. And so, and in my book, I do have questions at the end of each chapter, but because I didn't self-publish, I wasn't given that luxury of putting in my lines like I wanted to where you could fill them in. And so now I'm going to go back and do my lines because I believe that each reader should fill it in for that transformative experience. But with the publishing company, you know, they divided the book into part one and part two. On my own, I probably would have just had like chapter one, two, three, four, you know, on to chapter 10. But I do like the way they divided it and it makes sense. So, and sometimes it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's like what goes here and what goes there and it's having that sequential order. So the, so the reading becomes smooth and transition. It becomes a flow. It's like a dance with the author and to uh, create a reading atmosphere that keeps the reader wanting more. Like what's next? What's next? What's next? So it's kind of like the day, but yes, order is absolutely necessary. And for me, from the way I think, you know, because I'm a teacher, you know, I always got an outline. I always got a syllabus. I always got an itinerary. One of, the, one of the times, Denise, I don't want to know what's next is when I'm on vacation. You know, like, I don't want to know what time the flight is. You know, you could tell me the night before we're leaving at such and such time. And, you know, I'm just good. And so that's what vacation is for. That's why it's called vacation. But when we are focusing on uh, materials and information that's going to transform lives, we should follow the sequential order of the universe. And that is an orderly universe. And we sh- our writing should be orderly. I love that. I love that. couple of things. You're hitting on the intentionality piece. So those of you that are, are listening, I need you to take away. This requires an intentional effort. And each of the authors have talked about there was a process that they had to follow. So that discipline piece is critically important, right? Because 
all of them had to make a commitment to create time and space in their calendar to write. And then they had to think about the experience. What we're hearing is the experience of the reader, right? So one of the key things that I want you to take away today is it's your book, but it's not for you. It's for them. It's for the person that is reading your book, right? So one of the common mistakes, and I'm going to do a lightning round on this. I'm going to share my thoughts. One of the common mistakes that I see writers, aspiring writers make is that they focus too much on themselves and they do not focus on the reader, right? We've been talking about that all day. You've got to think about the end client. If it's a traditional publishing house and you talked about this, uh, Dr. Peacock, listen, you're going to have to make some sacrifices in this process. So yes, there's a lot of benefits, but that also means that they have the control over what your ultimate product looks like. If you're good with that, cool. But understand that that comes along with the process. They are a client. So you have to be able to deliver based on their expectations and their experience. And the same is true for that end reader. What type of experience do they need to have? You've got to be thinking about that as you are crafting your book because they are the ones that you are writing for. So make sure that as you go through this process, it is not just about the message that you want to get out. Always be thinking about your reader. So I want to do a lightning round because I want to get one more question in before we wrap up. Lightning round, what is your take? What is the common mistake that you see authors make? And we got to be quick because I got to get one more question in. Denise, what is your thought? So for me, my biggest struggle wasn't the writing process. It's when I got to the end and was, we were faced with everything we're faced with now and really having courage to go over, right? The questioning began for me was, is anybody going to buy it? Is, you know, like all of that came at the end, right? When all the hard work was done and I have this sample here and I'm like, our economic conditions have changed and like I'm all in my head about it. And I'll just share this thing that was shared with me when I started swirling. It says you should not be left alone in your own mind without adult supervision. And because I was all over the place. Right. And so in that moment, I had to check myself and it's back to what you're saying. My obedience, it's God's job to bless it. It's my job to be obedient. And so I had to really pull myself back in and push myself over that finish line. And wherever we get stuck in the process, we have to remember that it's the diligence to get to the end that's the most important, regardless of if that's the beginning, the middle. And so to me, my biggest struggle was the finish line. And it really was driven from all the conditions we're facing right now. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So you got to say, focus on the mission that God has given you. Don't allow the circumstances and things that are going on to detract you from the call that you have. That's really important. Tamara, what are your thoughts? Did you talk to people, you know, because I'm sure now that you have published a book, you've met people that want to publish a book too. What would you say is a common mistake that aspiring authors make from your perspective? Thinking that you have to get started on a specific area. So my recommendation would be to just write, do a brain dump. If you have different thoughts that pop into your head that you can't shake, write about it, get it out. You can go back and organize it later during the editing process. Dump your brain, just get it out on paper, and then worry about it later. I love that. I almost want Tamara to repeat it again, but in the interest <laughs> of time, I'm not going to have her do that. Just write. 
We can fix all that stuff later. Dr. Peacock, what are your thoughts? What is a common mistake that you see aspiring authors make? Thinking that your timing is divine. And what mm. I mean by that is, I wanted my book to come out so bad in 16, I mean, in 2019, because it was 400 years since the inception of slavery, which was 1619. For me, that was the perfect year for the book to come out. And then when we had the pandemic earlier in the season and everybody was praying, I was like, oh, let's change the title. Let's change the title because it's about prayer and soul care. Can we change it to prayer and soul care? Just soul care. They were like, honey, it's on the printer. You're, you're too late. And then the question is, how are you going to sell a book in a pandemic? You know how you sell a book in a pandemic? Trust God. Because, mm -hmm. because the only source we had, we could have no book signings. We could have no launch parties in public there was no speaking engagements and still no speaking engagements because this book was just launched just a little over two weeks ago. So I'm like, God, what? He said, modern technology. And so we had to do all of our publicity through social media. And there was no paradigm. There was no model. So trust God with the timing, trust God with the paradigm, trust God with the process. Get out it. of our time. Trust God, trust God. Trust God. <laughs> Trust God, trust God, and meet him where he's working because he's working on technology. He's using technology in this season to reach people. And so you had to adjust, right? You had to pivot and adjust to use what platforms were available. And that is so, so important. Okay, one more question that I'm going to throw out, another lightning round. What do you wish you knew before you started? Like looking back, what is the thing that you wish you knew? Like it's something that had you hung up maybe that you wasted time on, or you're learning a lesson now that for your next book, you'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to do that again. Tamara, I'll start with you. What, what is something that you wish you knew when you started? To do not be scared of the process. So I didn't realize that the process was so easy and seamless. That's mm. it. You know, you don't know until you know, just like I said before. And once you go through the process, you're like, huh, that's it. That's it. It's not as bad as it sounds. I love that. I love that. Denise, let me go to you. My original one was Tamara's, but here's the one I will say. It's very necessary. Whatever it is, if God is inspiring you to do it, he needs it released in the earth realm because somebody needs it. And so whatever your work is, whatever he has inspired you to do, it is very necessary. And don't give up until it reaches even that one that needs it. And so it just, it's easier than you think. I can't, I have to echo what Tamara said, but it is very necessary. So don't give up. Mm, that's right. Family, it's not optional. I know it feels optional, but if you are called to write, this is a, Dr. Peacock could probably talk about this all day. There's only two choices, obedience or disobedience, right? If you are called to write, there is a reason for you to write. There is someone that needs to hear that story, whether, as Denise said, it's one or a thousand or one million. You don't get to control the outcome. What you get to control is your choice to accept the call. And when we don't accept the call, then people miss out because they are waiting on the story. Their deliverance, they're, they're waiting on you, but you also miss out on an opportunity to join God where he is working. And when you join God where he is working, he does amazing things in your life. So don't miss an opportunity to be a vessel.
Dr. Peacock, what do you wish you knew looking back? I just feel like there's somebody that's struggled with giving up mm. and don't give up no matter what you're going through. I would have never have imagined that Amazon, somebody that I don't know, I don't know anybody that works with them or for them, would rate this book a number one new release. So no matter how many times you have been looked over or mistreated or not felt important, just know that when it's God's time, he will step in and make things better for you. Regardless of whether it's a book or whatever it is, just stay faithful. Mm. I love it. I love it. I want to thank all of you ladies for participating. And I have a special request, Dr. Peacock, because we do have so many aspiring authors out here. Some of them may be struggling with giving up. Some of them have heard all of the information that we've shared today. They may be overwhelmed. There may be so many things that they are battling. May I ask you to pray for our aspiring author audience right now? Just whatever God lays in your heart to pray for them. Amen. I will be honored. Let us just position ourselves to pray, to stop, to not be distracted, to be totally focused on the inner you, the true self, the one God called and ordained and set apart even before the foundation of the world. God says, put him in remembrance of his promises. If he said he would do it, he would do it. The word says, he that begins a good work in you will complete it until the day and coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you in advance for every book completed, whether it's 50 pages or 500 pages, whether it's poetry, whether it's illustrations and drawings and a few words, whether it's fill in the blank, whatever it is, God, you have given your people witty ideas. You have given them creativity. And I decree and declare that they are comfortable in their creativity. So God, as Tam has already said, show them where you are working in their writing, whether it's 4 a.m. or midnight, whether it's noonday, wherever it is, show them where you are working in the topic. God, give them clarity. Let them know it is a process, but you will do it in and through them. So the battle of writing is not theirs. It is yours. God, make writing easy. Make publication easy because your yoke is easy. So right now, we cast every book upon you. We cast every care upon you. We cast every financial care upon you. And we just say, do it. And we said, thank you that it is finished because it was finished before the foundation of the world. And we decree it finished in Jesus name. Amen and amen. 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 Wow. What a powerful, powerful session. Ladies, thank you for joining us. This could not have been a success without you. Thank you for your commitment of time. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for being so transparent. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Publishing Secrets. 
where our mission is to encourage and inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. In order to stay up to date on our episodes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you will be notified. And if this episode has been a blessing to you, do me a favor, rate and review. Until next time, God bless.